This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. I hope you're having a wonderful, relaxing weekend. As you know, this is the show exclusive to The Blaze, where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today, and I want to get into a lot of different issues. But I want to start by taking you down memory lane. If you've been living under a rock this week, or you haven't listened to any news, you might have missed... A very significant event happened over the last seven days. And of course, I am talking about the death of Fidel Castro. Castro is now dead. And I want to spend a few minutes just taking you down memory lane. People ask me all the time, why are you so negative on Ireland? Why do you never ever say good things about it? Well, the response to Castro's death is a prime example. I share nothing in common with a lot of Irish people. Deep down, there is this love of socialism, of big government, of we just need more programs and more fairness in society, more, we just need more, more, you know, someone to come along and level the playing field. I've seen so many glowing tributes from Irish people, from Americans, from Europeans, from Trudeau in Canada. But I want to start in Ireland. So Castro died. What happened? Well, within hours, our president, and yes, the president in Ireland is different to Ireland. He has no power. He's a glorified figurehead. But he went and released a statement about his great sadness of Fidel Castro dying. And he was so sad and and moved by his passing. And then later on in his statement that he released, he went on and called him that he was a giant among world leaders. You've seen this in America. The glowing tributes of how great a person he was. Well, what I want to do is... I want to spend a few minutes talking to you about Fidel Castro. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about his history and just talk to you about what he actually did. And then I want you to ask yourself a question. How can there be such a disconnect that people on the left will admire this guy? And then later on in the show, I want to talk to you about the right. Because I have some very honest questions I want to ask you. Because you have a battle ahead of you for the next two and four and maybe eight years. And that battle is, what will define you? Who will define you? And I'm going to talk to you a bit more about that in the second and third segment. But for now, I want to talk to you about Fidel Castro. One of the frustrating things for me is how in this world we can look at horrific events and say, that's evil. And we can get somewhat of a generic consensus across all party spectrums. 
You look at World War Two and Nazism and Hitler. Most people, most, uh, regardless of who you vote for or whether you're left or right, will say Hitler was evil. Concentration camps were wrong. Yet, Fidel Castro is somehow mourned. Fidel Castro, in 1965 started this established prison work camps. Oh, yes, we don't call them concentration camps. We'll come up with a new name. And, and, and we'll also, you know, one of these cool things to make it cool and hip, we'll give it the, you know, where we call it something, and we'll also then use the letters, the first letter of each word, to come up with a, a saying. So we come up with UMAP. Military units to aid production. And what he did, basically, there was he, everybody who was undesirable... You know, there's always undesirables in society. You know, for this fair society, you go all the way back to Marx, where he called them the lump of proletarians. You know, the undesirables, the handicapped, those those people who are just, ugh. Well, Castro did the same thing. Castro got homosexuals, Jehovah's Witnesses, and anyone else he deemed to be undesirable at a time and put them in these camps. Yet we condone Hitler, but we mourn Castro. When you look at the history of Cuba, you will, if you take every family unit in Cuba, you will be hard-pressed to find one family that has not been affected in a negative way by Castro. Whether that is through a prison camp, whether that is through a torture chamber, or whether it's just through, you know, the fairness of forced labor. That is his history. I love how today, when ISIS release a video showing how barbaric they are with these new and incredibly torturous videos of how to execute people. That we all of a sudden go, oh my God, that is evil, that is so wrong. And anyone, now they might want to do anything. They might want to say, well, it's America's fault or something. But everyone will come out and condone that and say, that's wrong. Yes, Castro in 1959 started filming murdering people as a way to shock people. It was sending a message, don't you dare oppose me. Don't you dare stand against me. This is the history and legacy of Fidel Castro. When you look at just pure numbers, Castro's regime and total debts, whether that's from torture, whether it's from prison beatings, whether it's from firing squads, whether it's from the machine gunning of people who tried to escape, whether it's people drowning trying to escape, it's nearly a 100,000 people there's another estimate that says approximately half a million 500,000 people have passed through Castro's prison and forced labour camps but I, I, I thought you know working was what we were all supposed to aim for well when it's forced labour I, I don't know how much you'll appreciate it but you know, we all appreciate the right to private property, right? You know, we, we all love that. You know, I have a right to, to own property, and, and if I own a farm, I, that's mine, right? Well, Castro didn't think so. Because, you see, Castro was a good little Marxist. Not only did he believe in forced labor, but he also believed in stealing land from people. And not only stealing land from people, he also believed in collectivization. The collectivization of farms. Castro was a man, and under his government, he funded pretty much every terrorist organization that you could find. From the Black Panthers to the IRA in Ireland, hey, we love him. Not. From the PLO to Al-Fada. That is Castro's legacy. But, you know, what gets me the most is the amount of people in the left... You know, if you listen to the left and you listen to their propaganda, whether it's in America, whether it's in Ireland, you, you'll take someone like me, you know, who's a Christian, who believes in God, and I'm a bigot. 
I'm a homophobe. I hate gay people. Yet they'll fawn all over Fidel Castro. Because I want to quote something to you. And this is Castro's own words. We would never come to believe that a homosexual could embody the conditions and requirements of conduct that would enable us to consider him a true revolutionary, a true communist militant. That was 1965. So I'm a bigot and a homophobe and a hater and every other word you can come up because I dare think, you know what? Churches and religions should define who gets married, not a government. Yet, he said, well, if you're gay, you can't really be, you know, down with the struggle. You can't be a true revolutionary. Who's the real hater and who's the big homophobe? Let us also not forget, I know, it's cool to to wear a Shea t-shirt today, you know. Viva la revolution, oh. But he was the guy who called them maricons which is a dreadful pronunciation, but it's it's translated to faggots. That is Che Guevara, who is synonymous with Castro. That is their legacy. And the left fawn all over him. Let us also not forget Castro nearly, nearly played a pivotal role in starting a worldwide nuclear war. This in a snapshot of who Fidel Castro was. This is the man the media are fawning over right now. This is the man who people like Trudeau in Canada, the Irish president, the BBC, uh, the left-wing news in America is fawning over and going, oh my God, how sad it is. Is this someone you mourn? Is this someone that anyone can look at and say, Oh my God, I'm so sorry he's not alive. Is this someone that you go, I'm going to send representatives to their funeral. Now I can make the argument that maybe you send a military guy because just to make sure he is actually dead. But that's a different story. This is a small snapshot of Fidel Castro. You can decide of how good a person he was and if you shouldn't mourn. You can talk, share these facts and figures with your friends who go, Oh, it's Castro's dead. See that they still mourn it. Because these are not opinions. These are not accusations. These are facts. A hundred thousand people dead under his regime. And five hundred thousand, half a million, through his prison and forced labor camps. That is not a legacy I mourn. It is a sad fact of the world of socialism and communism and Marxism or whatever other ism you want to call it. Revolutionaryism. That is horrific. And I mourn that anyone who goes through it and I mourn any part of the world that says this is okay this is acceptable I gotta take a quick break America don't go anywhere I'll be right back you're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. 
If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. With Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I know many of you who listen to this show are very familiar with Castro, but I just had to lay out the record for people to share with people. If you found any interest or you have people that you know in your family or friends who think they're very very confused or not knowing of Castro's real intent, please consider sharing the first segment with with your friends and family. Um, I would really appreciate it because I think the biggest challenge we have in many ways going forward is explaining the truth. Not in an opinionated way, not in a fictional way, but in a factual way. Because I think, not demeaning or insulting anyone, but there's a lot of ignorance out there today. And it's infuriating for me that there are people on the left who would look at someone like me and look at someone like people like you who listen, who would look at with hate in your eyes and, and think that you hate gay people. There is hatred for gay people in this world. For me, it's unacceptable, but it isn't me and you. The hatred comes from people like Castro. The hatred comes from places like Russia. We must stand against hate regardless of where it comes from or who it is towards for the rest of this show I, I want to talk to you about something very serious and I know people who listen to this might think this is bashing someone it really isn't I want to talk to you from the heart because I want to ask you some serious questions over the next couple of segments but I really want you to focus in on who you are one of the things I do at this show and I work really hard at is I want to share my opinion with you but I also want to do it in such a way that I don't ever want people just to take my opinion and regurgitate it and make it their own I want you to find where you stand on the issue. And if that happens to be against me or the exact opposite opinion I have, I'm okay with that. But I want you to find where you stand on the issues. I want to ask you a question to think about over the next couple of weeks and over the holidays, over Christmas, over New Year. Who or what defines who you are? And what is important to you? Because today we are defined by many things. And some of these are good and some of these are bad. There are a lot of people and our friends on the left who I, I really feel sorry for it because they are defined by things that, for the most part, you can't control. People are defined by their race. You can't control the vast majority of people can't control their race. Now, you can go through therapy and, you know, I don't know what the exact word is. I'm using therapy, but you know where you can change the color of your skin. I don't know why anyone ever would. Color doesn't matter. Race does not matter. But they're defined by it. They're defined by their gender. Oh, you're a female. You're good. You're male. You're bad. We're defined by our sexuality. How, who do you sleep with? Uh, I don't know about you. I've always had a very simple rule on, on sex. If it doesn't involve me, I don't care. We're defined by our status. This is a growing trend in America where people take this sense of comfort and definement and, and acceptance of society when, well, I'm part of the middle class. You know, I'm not one of those uber rich guys, but I'm not one of the poor either. 
I'm middle. I'm in the middle. I'm average. I'm middle class. Some people take are defined by their money. How much money they take home. Some people are defined by where they're from. You know, whether they live in the city or whether they what state they live in. And their views are defined, well, I live in New York, so of course I'm a liberal. I, I live in Texas, so of course I'm a conservative. Some people are defined by their families. Well, my family did it this way, so I do it this way. Again, just to be clear, I'm not saying these are all bad. I'm just giving you some examples. Some people are defined by their religion or their faith. Well, I'm Catholic, so I do things the Catholic way. And what the Catholic Church teaches, I I study their catechism, and this is what I follow. This is my belief system, and this is the way I live. Some people are defined by faith. Just the Bible, no religion, just pure faith. Some people are defined by who their friends are. You know, not everyone is a leader. Some people are followers, and if they grow up in a certain neighborhood, and they follow and they have friends their whole life, and they go to school with their friends, and then to college with their friends, and then to work with their friends, they're defined by their neighborhood and who they hang around with. Their ideas are defined by ever who's in charge of that group, ever who the ringleader is, or who the, the most vocal person is. Some of us are defined by our politics. Well, I'm a Republican, so if the Republican Party says this, I'll support it, because they're better than the left. Some people are defined by who they supported in the presidential election. Some people are defined by who their past presidents were. You see this today with Ronald Reagan. There are people who still self-identify as a Reagan conservative. There are even some people on the left who still say, well, I'm part of the, the Reagan-Democrat coalition. That's who they define as. That's who sets out their beliefs. That's, that's where they feel comfortable. That's where they feel they belong. There are people who are defined by different leaders in society. You know, you think of, the, of recent history of how much of certain people who had such a big impact on society and they are considered they consider themselves followers they their beliefs define who they are you know people like Martin Luther King people who rose up in the civil rights movement they define they are defined by what Martin Luther King said they are defined by I have a dream they are defined by I judge a man by the content of his character, not the color of his skin. That in a part or in a whole defines who they are. We are based on maybe even sports teams define who we are. You know, one thing I love about America, yeah, and I, I think it's incredible, is you're defined by your college sports. Because if you went to BYU or you went to, to, to Georgia Tech or you went to Texas A&M, you're defined in part by your rivalries. Because, you know, like Texas, when Texas plays Oklahoma, it's a huge game. You're defined by it. You're defined maybe by the branch of military you went to. You have many military friends and the, I always love watching the, the rivalries between military and uh, between Navy and and the Marines, and and so on and so, or to the Air Corps. They just have that different rivalry. It defines who they are. They think they're better than the other branches. And that's that's just the way it goes. We are all defined by a set of ideas. Some of them can be good, some of them can be bad. But we must always be aware that we are the person who defines us. Do you define who you are, or do you let someone else do it? Because there's another part of the world that defines who we are. And it is growing in influence each and every day. And that is the culture that we live in. But also, the culture of Hollywood. Do we let that define who we are? Because as you see these movies where anything goes... 
What you see on telly, what you see you become. What you read you become. What you hear you can become. In a good way, but also in a bad way. Do you think what people see and hear today is healthy? And do you see a correlation between how people get defined by what they see and hear and they act? They don't actually think about, am I becoming something I don't like or am I just following? I just want to give you one example. Now, by the way, I'm not for banning this. I, I, I told a story on air months ago. I remember visiting a, a cousin and we were in his house. And I can't remember. I'm going to guess the child was seven, eight, nine. I, I can't remember. I'm dreadful at little details like this. But they were playing Grand Theft Auto. They were stealing cars, throwing uh, bombs at everyone. Do you think people play this and it just becomes part of their culture and they become defined by it and it becomes acceptable to them because, hey, I did it on the computer game, so it must be okay. Do you think there's any correlation between that and the protests that you see? Whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's Occupy Wall Street, or whether it's now the people outside Trump Towers. Do you think there is a correlation between that or a causation between that? Who defines you? For me, I work really hard to make sure I define who I am. You know, on, I shouldn't say this because people should say you never admit your weaknesses. I get loads of insults. The one insult that annoys me the most is when someone says to me, Glenn gives you talking points, you're only a puppet for Glenn Beck, or you, you have no opinion of your own, it's just you follow what Glenn says or what the blade says. That really annoys me, not because of anything they say, but because I work so hard to define myself. I could have easily been a follower. You know, I could have easily followed the Irish tradition of not liking America. Of thinking, you know, America's this imperialist nation. You know, you're all warmongers over there. You know, you just want to occupy every country. I, it would have been very easy. I was still only a young adult when the Iraq war happened, when Afghanistan, when 9-11 happened. That was the stuff I saw in the media day in and day out. I could have easily followed that. In my own family, I could have been the biggest socialist. I come from a very socialist family. From a big government family who come from people who believe government doesn't do enough. Who believe in the power of regulations through, through executive orders. Who believe in regulations on industry to cramp down on what they don't think is right or what they don't think is just or the right way to do business. I come from a family that has very big union representatives. I'm not defined by my family, by the country I live in. I am defined by me. I have my set of beliefs. Right or wrong, they are mine. And they are mine because I have thought long and hard about them and done a lot of self-reflection. What are you defined by? And is it healthy or is it something you want to change? Because I'm defined by certain things that I just spoke about. I'm defined by the Bible. I'm a Christian. The Bible is incredibly important to me. It helps define who I am. To a lesser extent, things like the U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, it helps define who I am because as I went through my voyage of self-discovery, I was very easy to tell you what I did not like, what I did not stand for. But when I started to find those and I started to find what your founders wrote, then I was able to say, not only am I, not ag am I against socialism and big government doesn't work, but I'm able to say, I'm for these things. I am for all men are created equal and that they have certain rights. You can discuss which rights, but they have certain rights which are inalienable, which come from a creator. And among those are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, whether it's the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom of association, the right to bear arms, the right not to incriminate yourself, the right to be secure in your person and your papers. 
This is what I am for. This is what defines me. What defines you? This is something I would ask you to think about. And it's not a question that you can think about for, I will be honest, it is not a question you can think of for five minutes and go, hey, I got this answer. It takes a lot of self-reflection. It takes a lot of self-reflection and to get to the answers. And then when you get the answer of what defines you, then you need to decide if that's healthy or not. Or if you want to change. But don't do it and don't share what shit, what defines me. Find out what defines you. That is what's important in this world. I got to take another quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Because we still got a lot to discuss. There's a reason I asked this question right now. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I am on social media. I love engaging with you. I love your feedback, both positive and negative. Um, I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple. At, on Facebook, um, you can go like my pro- public page, Freedom's Disciple. Or if you look up Jonathan Dunn on Facebook, send me a friend request. I love, love engaging with you. So why did I spend the second segment asking you what defines you? Because I want to talk to you about some issues that I've seen over the last week that are incredibly frustrating and are incredibly important in how we deal with things. I go right back to the start of the show. Castro's death. I explained what the left did. But what did the right do? I saw a lot of my friends and some personal friends celebrate his death. I see people celebrating in the streets. I don't celebrate Castro's death. Because here's the truth about Castro. Castro was not in power. Fidel. His brother is now in power. And while he says, if you can believe him, he plans to step down in roughly 18 months. The one thing I know about revolutionaries and communists and socialists is they will not step down until their heir apparent is chosen and ready. I don't celebrate the death of Castro. I won't celebrate when Castro's brother has stepped down. I will celebrate. And I will celebrate with the biggest celebration I have when their ideology dies. Because that is the battle and the battlefield I am on. And I know many of you are on as well. I celebrate when their ideology dies because that is when real freedom wins. I think right now this is the moment we have been bred for. If you've been a long-time listener to this show, you know very well how I see this world. We are at a y-axis. There is no more middle roads. No more safe little easy roads for us to go down. We will either choose right here, right now, this generation today will choose what world we live in. We will either be more free than we have ever been before, or we truly will travel a road where despotism, utopian statism, the love, the Viathan, all comes together and crushes our souls, our spirits, and our bodies. 
But I know and I believe freedom wins. But moving on to other subjects of the day. I want to talk directly to my friends who are Donald Trump supporters. Whether you know it or not, or whether you like it or not, you will have the biggest say on the future of America. Whether it's fair or not, or whether you like it or not, that is the way it is. And it's not because you're a Donald Trump supporter that gets you this. What gets you this way is because it's the same for everyone, the supporters of every candidate who wins. Because what will define you? Will a president define you? Or will principles define you? Will you go along to get along? Or will you hold your candidate accountable? Everyone knows where I stand on the issues, and I'm going to continue to speak out going forward. But it is those who voted for him and supported him that will define how successful America is in a large part. What your actions will be. Will you be like other Republicans under George Bush? Will you be the Republicans under George Bush who went, yeah, I I know the Patriot Act isn't great, but it's got some good things in it. Will you be the Republicans under George Bush that were silent when he uttered, I've got to destroy the free market to save the free market? Will you be the supporters under Obama who said, made campaign promises of, well, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor? Will you be the supporters under Obama who said, well, we're going to lower your premiums by $2,500. Are you going to be the supporters of Obama, who claimed to be moderate and Reagan Democrats, yet when he showed disrespect for the office, were silent. When he said, I've got a pen and a phone, we're silent. When he made all these campaign promises of how we're going to strengthen the middle class, and he failed, we're silent. Or will you be the generation that holds their candidate accountable? I really hope that is who you are. That principles win. Because over the last week I've seen stuff and I've spoken out on my Facebook page about it. And I want to just address a couple of issues with you. Just to explain something. I don't do anything for hatred purposes. I do things because I see... And I speak out against bad principles, bad policies. So right now in election season that is over, people want to drag it on. You have Jill Stein and in cahoots with Hillary Clinton behind the scenes who are going, do you know what we need? There's there's three states that, that, that are very close. We want to recount. Now, any sane person, you say to this, you've won and forget the personalities involved. There's no Jill Stein, no Hillary Clinton, no Donald Trump. Forget ever who it is. You have won an election. But the person who lost gets in bed with someone else and says, we need a recount. What does logic say the person who won says? Do they come out and say Nothing. Do they just continue on with their business? Continue on with the important business of the country, getting your transition team, getting your cabinet picks? Or does the person go on their Twitter account and say the following? In addition to winning the Electoral College in a landslide, I won the popular vote if you deduct the millions of people who voted illegally. Now, people are saying, what's the big deal about that? You've just admitted that there is grounds for a recount. Why would you give credibility to a movement that has failed, flawed, and pointless? But that wasn't enough. Because four hours later that day, he said, there's serious voter fraud in Virginia, New Hampshire, and California. Why isn't the media reporting on this? You have won the election. You have just given, in four-hour period, you have given credibility to Jill Stein in her recount effort, and you have said, yeah, yeah, and you know what? There's three more states that need to be recounted as well. 
What good is this? Sometimes the best thing today is shut up and say nothing. But if only that was the biggest issue. Next question I have for you. Who defines you? I have seen a growing amount of lack of respect online and an increase of foul language. I see profile pictures and, and pictures, m- memes. I got corrected, by the way. Someone said, I, I used to say meme uh, Apparently, you don't say the last E, so I'm, I'm, for that person, you know who you are. I'm, I'm correcting myself, and I apologize. It's memes. I see these pictures and memes of people with their middle fingers in the air and two fingers, and that's the way they go. I see a growing number of insults. When you see arguments, they're never discussions. They're always arguments. It is very rare I go down my timeline and I see a constructive argument between... And it's not left versus right. There are two people on the right. And the argument is over who you voted for. Can we never discuss principles? Who defines what you are in culture and how you act? Just because everyone else uses foul language and has middle fingers blazing and insults people, does that mean you have to be the same? Are you going to let culture and society define you or are you going to define you? But then lastly, I want to bring up one last issue. And here comes the Trump bashing. No, it's not Donald Trump bashing. It is simply asking a question. Who, what do you believe? Do you believe in the First Amendment of the Constitution? Because Donald Trump said the other day, and I quote, Nobody should be allowed to burn the American flag. If they do, there must be consequences. Perhaps loss of citizenship or a year in jail. What defines you? To Donald Trump supporters, do you agree with this? And do you, are you going to go along to get along? Because that's what other people have done under Bush and Obama. Or are you going to be different? Are you going to chart a different course that says, yes, I voted for Donald Trump. Yes, I support him. But when he is wrong, I will speak out. Because the First Amendment of the Constitution says you have a right to free speech. I want to spend a few minutes talking about this issue. If you've listened to this show long enough, or even just one show, if today's your first show, I hope you hear in my voice and the way I present things how much I love your country. I truly love America. I defend America at every opportunity. I speak out for free. I don't get paid. This is not a paid job for me. This is voluntary. Everything I do is on a voluntary basis. That is how much I am committed to your country and I I love your country. But the First Amendment is you have a right to free speech. Going back to your Declaration of Independence, it says certain rights come from God, not from man. And if rights come from God, how can any man take them away? I have seen people defend Donald Trump on this issue. How can you defend free speech? You know, are you are you are you America hater? Do you defend those people who burned the flag? I don't defend them. I find it appalling. I am sickened by their actions. But one of the things when I went on my voyage of self-discovery, I found a quote. And it is a quote from Voltaire. I may not like what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Because here's the great thing about freedom. And it is the bad thing about freedom. Two things. One, sometimes the results of freedom really suck. You can live the best life you can live. You can make the decision all the time. You can make the most moral choice all the time. 
but yet you will be trampled on. You can have a crap life and not get rewarded for living the right life. Just because you live in freedom and you respect freedom does not mean everything goes hunky-dory. But secondly, freedom is easy to stand for when people agree with you. You know, when, when I say America is the greatest country in the world, I don't need a right to free speech to that because if I'm saying it in America, there's not, no American's going to say, hey, shut John up. He's saying America is the greatest country in the world. Shut him up. No one's going to say that. No, I don't need that First Amendment right. It's when I say something controversial that people might not like is when I need the right to free speech. It's easy to stand for free speech you agree with. It's incredibly hard to stand for free speech that you disagree with. Even something as repugnant as burning the American flag. I saw a few people comment on my post, well, do you know what we should do? We should get a flag that they like, like the rainbow flag, and we should burn it in front of them and see how they feel and see, see how the media reports that. My response is, do you have a right to do it? Absolutely. But I won't defend either action. Because last question I have for you in this segment is who defines you? Who defines what you do? I believe, I believe with the, all my power, my soul, my body and my mind, that hate will never defeat hate. Darkness will not defeat darkness. So your response of, well, let's go burn the flag that they care about as a protest to them burning the American flag says hate will never defeat hate. The only answer is love and light. Make one last point on this before I take a last a quick break. Which path do you want to know? Which path do you want to live on? I welcome people who burn the American flag in public, and I'll tell you why. And it is for one simple reason. You have two choices. You can follow the path where you ban it, and no one's allowed to do it. I'll never know who hates America, because they'll be banned from doing it. We'll never have free speech. But where you have freedom, you know who their real feelings are. You know those who burn the American flag. I can tell you this. You'll never see me near someone who burns the American flag. You'll never see me hang around. You'll never see me be friendly with them. I don't believe in that. I much rather live in a world where I know exactly who you are and what you stand for. Not hidden behind something because of some law and some ban. And says, you have all these feelings, but you can't act on it because it's illegal. I'd much rather know who they are, because I then know who to avoid. Because I have nothing in common with those who burn the American flag. And lastly, to the optics. Because America has become polarized in many ways when it comes to politics. And everyone focuses on the swing voters in the middle ground. Do you think those people in middle America who are not really involved in the day-to-day -day politics, who, who become aware of politics when it becomes election season and who to vote for, do you think any of those middle Americans who are good, honest, and decent Americans will look at someone burning the American flag and go, you know what, I'm with them. I'm with them. I'm with those people. That's who I self-identify with. Do you think that about your fellow American? Because I still believe, and I could be wrong, I still believe the America I know and the Americans I know who come from both parties and both political systems and many different beliefs still love America. They might disagree on which is the best path forward, but they don't support those who burn the American flag, who protest, who do horrific things with it. Again, I could be wrong, but this is what I believe. Who defines you? Who defines you? Think about that, America.
I got to take one last quick break, America. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with our last segment. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Jeffy and we went we took the camel ride from the guy on the side of the road. He like charged five dollars or whatever yeah, to ride the camel. One. Those were kind of mean. Oh, too. that camel. That they were, of course, you were trying to get on one, that and one they camel hated didn't me. want that to happen. That camel like, did get not off, want. you fat swab! I think his exact word. Pat and Stu, weekdays at five p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we get to the last couple of stories I want to share with you, I would ask you to please consider sharing this with your friends or your family. We are free, a free show available anytime. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Hit subscribe and share with your family and friends. We're going to have a lot of exciting things coming forward in 2017. And if you enjoy anything or you, I give you questions that you really enjoy and it helps you find out who you are, please consider sharing it. With that being said, it's time for the last segment of the show. As I discussed a couple of weeks ago, for the lead up to Christmas, this is going to be give you stories and principles based around the Bible. And I have two short stories I want to share with you today. One's a story, and one's a, one's a question for you to think about. First, the story. It's the Civil War. And the Civil War is a couple of years old. And it's the Yankees versus the Confederates. And it was a tough time. Because no side was winning. And there was lots of casualties. This was a brutal war. It divided families. It pitted brother against brother, son against father. And there's no side getting a significant advantage. And worried about the future and cognizant that an election is is coming up soon. And worried about how do we end this? How can we bring an end to this horrific, brutal civil war? President Abraham Lincoln calls together his cabinet. And they discuss everything. They discuss battle plans. They discuss injuries. They discuss troop levels. They they discuss armaments, how many weapons they have, ammunition, everything. And it's one of the usual meetings that happens with all his generals and his cabinet. And at the end of the meeting, they come to the conclusion of this is what needs to happen. And everyone agrees on the plans and President Lincoln hands everyone their assignments. And they get up. And the general shakes his hand and says, Mr. President... This is a great plan. We can now only hope that God is on our side. How many people today would question that statement? How many people today, going back to what I started earlier, who defines you? Who defines your beliefs? How many people today ask for God to be on our side? God, I just need this. I just need you to do something for me. God is on our side. How many people and times did you hear during the election, God was on our side? Well, Mr. Lincoln, President Lincoln, corrected the general. See, it would have been easy to say, yeah, we have this plan and it's a great plan. And we just need God's help and God to be on our side and we will win. 
But Abraham Lincoln knew that statement was wrong and it was not the basis of America. And he corrected the general and he said, Sir, I worry not about God being on our side. I worry about us being on God's side, for God is always right. As we approach Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ, I ask you to think about your own life, your family's life, but also America's life and America's culture. Do we want God to be on our side or are we the generation that says, sir, I worry not about God being on our side. I worry all day, every day about us being on God's side. My second story is not really a story. It's more of a question. Regardless of what religion you belong to, because there are many different religions who listen to this show. There are Catholics, there are Protestants, there are some Mormons. Regardless of what religion you have, or if you've no religion, you've heard this story. You will have heard the story of Jesus been born. And you will have heard the story of three men following the North Star, going to meet Jesus and giving him gifts of gold, frankincense and more. And people call them different terms. People call them the three kings. But people also call them the three wise men. Why do people call them the three wise men? Why? Well, one opinion would be that they knew Herod's true intentions. They knew that Herod had given them a job and an assignment to go and find Jesus and then come back and report to him directly of where the baby was. Because as Herod made out, he wanted to go pay his own respects. They might have been kings, they might not have been, depending on your religion. But they were wise men because they saw his true intentions And they carved their different path back to avoid Herod. Wisdom is a gift. Wisdom is a gift. They could have been defined by earthly standards and went back to Herod. But what made them wise was they charted their own course. A course that could have potentially put them in personal danger and harm. But they charted their own course, the course they felt was right, the course they felt they were called to do. That is what made them wise. Now, you might have a different opinion, but why do we call the three kings the three wise men? This is something to think about this Christmas season. As always, we finish our show here the same way we do all the time. And it's not by fluke. It's not for kicks and giggles. It's because I salute the real heroes in society, especially today, where people are calling out for heroes, where people say there is no one doing the right thing. There are plenty of you. Those are your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. These are men and women who risk everything 24-7 for a better tomorrow. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. You have major issues. You have major challenges facing you as an individual, as a people, and as a country. But I say this to you. As I always do. America is great because Americans are good. If you chart your course like the wise men. If you chart your course based on principle. Based on doing what God asks you to do. 
you will have a brighter tomorrow because there is no problem facing you right now that you cannot fix the solution is not someone else the solution is you each and every one of you doing what you can do you are here for a purpose never ever ever forget that you have a role i have a role each of us has a role some big some small but together if we unite we can make tomorrow a better tomorrow because this is the season of thanksgiving and of christmas and of a new year that trilogy that holiday trilogy that i love so much gives us that hope that gives us that hope that if we are thankful and we celebrate a birth that changed the world whether you believe or not it is a birth that changed the world but also that new year that says there is a new tomorrow and with tomorrow brings that optimism that things can be better things will be better but it takes us for a better tomorrow it takes us to act today right here right now because if we don't act and we don't speak out and we don't do anything there is no hope for a better tomorrow it takes our action it takes our voice it takes our principles it takes our love and our courage and our sacred honor that is how we get to a better tomorrow by taking the first step right now have a superb superb week and i will talk to you next saturday america god bless each and every one of you and god bless america freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on demand the blaze radio network 